book of Acts, and we're, we're talking about this, this awesome call of ours to bring the healing and hope and compassion of Jesus to our city, to our, our world, and, and it's an awesome, awesome call. It, we, we talked about how in the, in the book of Acts, Jesus, all throughout the book of Acts, was advancing his kingdom. And the coolest news is, is that he is still advancing his kingdom today, and how does he do it? Through you! And through me, of all people. How crazy is that? And, and, and perhaps the most stunning feature that we, we pointed out last time is, is that, that Jesus, in his plan to advance his kingdom, he would be gone. He was going to leave. More astonishingly, Jesus said that we were going to be better with him absent than if he was present. He said this to his disciples in John 14. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus said a lot of things that confused his followers. But I, I think when he said, you're going to do greater things with me gone than with me present, that would have sounded like crazy talk to them. <laughs> but it wasn't crazy talk. It, 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 was, it was part of the plan because Jesus was going to send his spirit. And he's going to give them the gift, this gift of, the, the, of life with God through the spirit. And what Jesus was saying as he does in, and kind of unpacks in the rest of John chapter 14 was the same spirit who had guided and empowered him in his life and his ministry was now going to be given to them and, and was going to provide them with the same guidance and, and instruction and empowering they'd ever need. And his last words, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power. Now let's talk about power can make some people uneasy. I mean, there's a, a strand of Christian thinking and theology that's, that's extremely suspicious of, of this talk of power. The idea is that power is bad. Power's something that's used to oppress people. And, and so Christians, aren't they supposed to be powerless? They're supposed to be meek and, and mild and, and submissive and, and self-sacrificing. And, and there's, that's partly true. Sometimes we are supposed to act that way, but, but Christians don't act that way out of weakness. They act that way out of strength. Jesus, do you remember, do you remember Jesus says, says to his disciples, he says, I'm going to be killed but don't be mistaken about this. I lay my life down and I pick up my life again. I, I, I mean, we, we don't usually think of Jesus as a tough guy. But that's actually kind of a tough guy kind of thing to say. I lay my life down and I pick my life up again. That's, that's not weakness, that's strength. Many of you might remember back in 2006. It was actually 2006 Tomorrow, 11 years ago, a troubled milkman named Charles Roberts barricaded himself in the, the West Amish Nickel Mine School. And, and he was armed with three guns and knives and over 600 rounds of ammunition. And, and when police attempted to intervene within a half hour of him being in there, Roberts opened fire on 11 girls, all of which were under the age of 14, killing five of them before he took his own life. A terrible, terrible tragedy. 
But as more news became available in the, in the following days, a, a, a new story began to emerge, one full of faith and courage and love. According to a couple of the survivors, when, when 13-year-old Marie Fisher began to understand what Roberts intended to do, she, she made a request. Shoot me first, she said. Let the other ones go. And, and as the oldest child in the group, she thought that maybe if she gave her life, maybe that would buy some time for rescue or somehow he would spare the, the others somehow. But immediately after, her younger sister Barbie said, shoot me second. And after the story broke, news of the, the girl's bravery and, and sacrifice Im- impacted many people, millions of people really around the world. But according to a, a local midwife close to the family of the two girls, their faith also affected the life of the attacker. He apparently, in those moments that they were together, he asked them to pray for him, Rhodes said. He, he recognized they had something he didn't. He had guns, but who had the real power? And so it was an incredibly tragic event for the, the Amish community, but it was also a tragic day for Marie Roberts, the, the wife of the gunman and mother of their two young children, But on the following Saturday, Marie experienced something truly unbelievable while attending her husband's funeral. That day, she and her children watched as Amish families poured into the little church where where her husband's funeral service was, was being held so that they could stand with her in her grief at the loss of her husband and father of her kids. Despite the the, the crime that he'd committed, the, the Amish came to mourn Charles Roberts the killer of their kids. I've never been tempted to join an Amish community. <laughs> in, in, in some ways, I, I, I've seen them as, as kind of backward people, but, but in their actions and attitudes related to that tragedy, there was an amazing demonstration of, of, of what the power of God can look like. That, that, that power, that kind of love is not weak. That kind of forgiveness that we see in that story is not weak it's supernatural it's beyond human capability you know you know there's lots said uh, about the book of acts when it comes to manifestations of the holy spirit's power of of miracles and, and signs and wonders but is there not any greater sign than that of love of of inconceivable forgiveness I think one of the greatest wonders of the early church was the radical upside, kind of down, upside down kind of love that they demonstrated both for each other and for the world around them. Third century uh, historian Tertullian, he said, he said, see how the Christians love one another. As I said last time, we're not going to become the kind of people who can live our mission of bringing the hope and healing and compassion of Jesus to the tri-cities and beyond without the power of the Spirit. And so our aim as a church is to become a people of the Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit so move in our lives and so move in our church that up there, that the kingdom of heaven kind of moves in down here, that the glorious future that Christ intends for all of creation, the renewal of all things, we begin to experience it here. And now, in greater and greater measure. And so today and next week, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. 
And we're going to ask the question, how do we actually live with and in the power of the Holy Spirit? Before we move forward, let's, let's just pray. Would you just bow your heads again? Father, we just acknowledge your presence here this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you promise to be near when two or three gather in your name, and we gather in your name today, confident of your, your life and your, your, the availability of all that we might need uh, for this mission you've called us to. Speak to us in these, these minutes, we pray. Would you uh, unleash the Holy Spirit in our midst and in our lives? We ask these things in your name. Amen. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, just the first four verses, and uh, we'll carry on next week. But do you remember Jesus had, had earlier told his followers to don't leave Jerusalem, go and, and wait, go back to Jerusalem and wait for the spirits. And then comes the day of Pentecost, and, and this is what Jesus had been talking about and promising, and, and it reads in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Luke um, goes on to say how it gathered there in Jerusalem where, where Jewish people from kind of every nation and, and what they heard when they saw what was happening among these people who were gathered as they were speaking out in tongues in their own languages, <laughs> some thought they were drunk. Like, what's going on? But Peter, uh, I don't think defensively at all, would go on to preach and say, no, we, they're not drunk. This is what happened. And he goes on to say that the promised Holy Spirit, which, which Jesus had talked about, which the Old Testament, Joel, prophets had talked about, this, this great thing has happened. The Spirit is here, and it's now and available for everyone. Now, when it comes to describing the Spirit, when, what we see from Acts is Luke having to use pictures. He says there was a sound. It was like a violent wind, but it wasn't a wind. And there was a, a sight. It wasn't tongues of fire exactly, but it seemed like that. Wind and fire. Not to be confused with earth, wind, and fire, which, you know, is the band. But, but Luke is struggling here, I, I think, to, to find ways to convey a spiritual reality that's real, that's, that's tangible, but is simply beyond the, the capacity of human words to describe. I, you know, I was thinking this week as, as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, it'd be great if we could take all the mystery out of the Holy Spirit. But we can't do it. <laughs> the Spirit is full of mystery. I mean, you can't predict the Spirit. Jesus said in John 3, he says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. H haven't, haven't we learned that in North America in the last three, four weeks? The wind does blow. We can't control the wind. You, you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Let me remind you, even though there's all kinds of mystery, this, this is one of the, the, the amazing things that makes God God. God is great, and God is awesome, and we should, 
We should revere him and worship him. But even if we don't understand him, we can still be in relationship to him. Amen? But these images of, of, of wind and fire do have significance for us. In both Hebrew and Greek, the word for wind and the word for breath and the word for spirit, they're all the same word. There's something about the, the mystery of the wind that is like breath. It's, it's life-giving. The, the spirit's like that. In Genesis 2, 7, this is the creation story. It says, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And, and, and so with the coming of the spirit in Acts chapter 2, one of the things that was secured for believers in Christ was was actually new life. You know, the, the breath of God bringing new life to, to believers by his spirit. Uh, Nicky Gumbel, he, he ta- tells the story of a Sunday school teacher who was telling children about Jesus' teaching on being born again in John 3. And she was, she was trying to explain the difference between physical birth and, and spiritual birth. And she asked them, are you born Christian? And one boy looked really confused and says, no, you're born normal. <laughs> well, I, the, the, the phrase, this, this line, born again, has, has become kind of cliche in our day. It's, it's one of those phrases that we probably, it's, it's maybe for a time, and it's, at least in broader culture, lost a bit of its uh, relevance in some ways, and so we don't use it as much anymore. But Jesus was the first one to use that phrase. He used it to describe people who were born of the Spirit. He said in John 3, 5, he said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Jesus was saying that physical birth isn't enough. We we need to be born again by the Spirit. That's That's what happens when we become Christians, when we become followers of Christ. Every single Christian, whether you use this language or not, you've been born again. And we may not be able to somehow, unlike a natural birth where we can go, that child was born at that moment on on the clock. We might not know the exact time when it happened, but but just as, as we know that we are alive physically, I hope you know that, we should be able to tell whether we are alive spiritually. And Jesus said that those early believers were were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Scripture teaches that the the baptism of the Spirit occurs when the gift of the Spirit is received at the moment when you put your trust in Christ. Well, what about those tongues of fire? Fire in Scripture was something that, that often accompanied God's revelation of himself. Right? Uh, above the in the temple there's the ark of the covenant and uh it said there was this shekinah glory i kind of always picture that as kind of a fire above the ark of the covenant i don't know what does a shekinah glory look like lincoln don't yeah no (laughs) i just wanted that look on your face because it was a rhetorical question i really don't want an answer just in case you were you know thinking about answering but unless you have a genius answer i digress uh, I think of, of, of encounters that, that people had with, with God. Uh, Moses. How did Moses meet God when he was out as a shepherd in the hills? The burning bush, right? Uh, when, when 
the Israelites left Egypt and they were traveling through the wilderness on pilgrimage to the promised land, how were they guided? Pillar of fire by, by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Fire. Think of Elijah. When Elijah wanted to demonstrate to the people of Israel that God was God, and, and what, how did God reveal himself? Fire came down from heaven. Uh, Gordon Fee is, uh, is one of my favorite biblical scholars because I, I studied under him. He's done uh, an extensive amount of work on studying the Holy Spirit. He, he's described the, the Holy Spirit's predominant characteristic as being the, the presence of God, God's empowering presence. This, this, this means that, that we, through the Spirit, we can, we can connect to God in all of His presentness. That through the Spirit, we get a, a backstage all-access, VIP, time with, with God. We, we no longer have to go through the hoops of seeing a priest or, or making a sacrifice or going to the temple. We can all do it because God is closer than you think. Uh, Paul, Paul says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives where? In you. Now lives in the believer. He says in Ephesians 2, he says, for through him, through Jesus, we both, He's talking about the Jews and Gentiles. We have access to the Father by one Spirit. Through Jesus, by the Spirit, we have access to the presence of God. God is closer than you think. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, my dad was a pastor. And uh, on um, Sunday after church, my greatest frustration as a pastor's kid was we were always the last people to leave. It was It was horrible. Son, you don't know the kind of, you know, the, the, we leave actually relatively in a timely fashion. Back in those days where we walked to school in our bare feet and on broken glass, um, leaving church was a bit of an ordeal. It was like becoming a Christian all over again. I mean, it was, it was horrible. And I, I remember uh, going up, up to my dad, and, I, and he was there visiting with people at the door and talking with people. And it seemed like no matter what I did, I couldn't get his attention. I mean, I'd be like grabbing his leg, and it was like he had the great gift of ignorance. He could ignore me easily is what I meant by that. Do I sound like I just insulted my father? This is terrible. Thank you. Sorry, Lord. Sorry, sorry, Dad. But, but I think of the, the kind of things I had, the, the theatrics I had to go through to get his attention. And can I say this? Through Jesus, by his spirit, we don't ever have to do that with God. There's, the barrier's gone. The, 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 the doorway's open for us to have free and, and, and easy access to the God who made the universe. He's, he's close to us. He's within us by his spirit. <laughs> it's awesome. And so some of you, i, I got to just say this, I, I, I think... You've been jumping up and down for a long time and trying to pull at God's pant leg, asking him, bless me, bless me, bless me. I, I want you, God. And God's saying, you, don't, you never have to beg. I'm right here. I'm right here. Sometimes stop, stopping all the, the franticness is what you need just to see that he's looking down at you in love. So these two images, wind and fire, remind us that that. Of, the, of two of the things that God designed to do with us in giving us his spirit, the gift of new life and the gift of God's ongoing presence in our lives. 
So back to our passage, let me read verse 4 again. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now to the really hard questions of the morning. What about us? What can be our expectations around the Holy Spirit? How do we receive the Holy Spirit? If we receive the Spirit, will we speak in tongues? Uh, After I become a Christ follower, do I need to be looking for some secondary type of experience? And and i got to say this morning, I probably bit off more than I can chew. So bear with me, we'll get to part of this today and we'll we'll further unpack it next Sunday. But I want to just take a moment and, and, and share a little bit of my journey with this. I grew up in a church that really didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. It's like Father, Son, and, and, and that's all, folks. You know, or, or when we talked about the Holy Spirit, often he was described as the Holy Ghost, which as a young child growing up in the church didn't really endear me to you know, the Holy Spirit. I mean, ghosts, what, that, that's just not a great name for a kid. And, and uh, my last couple of years of high school, I was going to a Christian school and I hung out with a, a bunch of people who actually went to a church that actually focused a lot on the Holy Spirit. And actually all the prettiest girls in my school went to that, went to that church. And so I was very tempted to switch memberships, membership there just for that reason. But once in a while we'd get into these intense lunchtime discussions and they'd ask me with great passion, Derwin, do you speak in tongues? Have you been filled with the Spirit? Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? All these kind of things. And they would, they would like nail into me. Well, why not? If you haven't, why not? These girls were beautiful. <laughs> but they sure were bothersome. And it was bothersome because I'd known that, that the closest I'd ever come to speaking in tongues was grade six French. <laughs> Bonjour. Comment ça va? Muchos gracias, senorita. I know that's German. I know that part. That last part was. But, but honestly, it left me with the question, am I missing out? You know, am, am I somehow, I began to feel that unless I had an experience like theirs, speaking in tongues being one of them, I was a second class Christian. And so I was looking for an answer. Should I be looking for an additional spiritual experience? How do I get baptized or filled with the Spirit? And what do those two mean? And I I think there's confusion about what happened in Acts chapter 2. Because what happened there is really two things. First of all, it was the first giving of the Spirit. This is what we mean when we say the baptism of the Spirit. Born again in the Spirit. But then a second thing happened... It says they were also filled with the Spirit. And and I I believe that Scripture teaches that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Spirit are two different things. The baptism of the Spirit, by the way, it's confusing because even today, depending on who you talk to, they get used interchangeably. So, So if you grew up hearing of it one way, let me try and explain how I read it. I'm not saying you have to believe this way, but I think Scripture makes a pretty good case for why these two things are different. Baptism of the Spirit being the initial gift of the Spirit to the believer. Filling is meant to describe our ongoing walk or experience of the Spirit. Receiving the Spirit can only happen once. You open your heart to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes in. But being filled with the Spirit can happen many, many times. Where do we find this out? We we, we actually see this in in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, for instance. It says Peter and John... And the early church, they're praying, and they're filled with the Spirit again. 
But just as it's possible to be filled with the Spirit many, many times, it's also possible to not be filled with the Spirit, right? Every Christian has the Spirit, but not every Christian is filled with the Spirit. Gordon Fee again, he put it this way, he says, you have the choice, you can either be filled with the Holy Spirit or filled with yourself. Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, he says, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It's a command that he, be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The fact that it's a command means that we can actually do something about it. That it's not entirely, we're not just along for the ride on this one. Do not be drunk with wine. I'll never forget my Scottish professor in Bible college in England when, when he described, was talking about being filled with the Spirit, not being drunk with wine. He was, <laughs> he was talking about Glasgow, Scotland, which at that time was the most violent community in all of the UK. And, and uh, he said on, on weekends, they actually finally, in the 80s, put up surveillance cameras in the hospital waiting rooms because of the drama that would happen there. They wanted to record it for court purposes. And uh, he says he was seeing, he was shown one of these videos by a friend of his where, where a guy walks in, stumbles in drunk, walks up to the, the front reception desk, and they're, and, and they're asking him all his intake information, his name and his address, and... and <laughs> And they said, so what's wrong with you? And he says, can you please take this dagger out of my back? And he had a, a big, you know, knife jutting out of his back, but uh, dazed and unaware because of, he was controlled by the spirits he'd been drinking, not controlled by the spirit. And, and, and many of you would know this, when you drink too much, alcohol begins to control you. To, to be filled with the Spirit means we allow God, we allow His Spirit to control the various parts of our lives. And so if you're a Christian, it's not how much of the Spirit do you have, it's, a, it's how much of you does the Holy Spirit have. Th this is probably one of the biggest obstacles to, to us experiencing the filling of the Spirit. Are we prepared to surrender control of our lives to God? Are, are, are we prepared to honestly say, not my will, God, but yours be done. The image I had uh, as I was thinking about this was, was that of a house with many rooms. I think some of us are like this. We, we love the idea of God in our life, uh, all, all the good gifts that he brings. Hey, we're loved. It's, isn't that great? Accepted. And we invite him into our lives. But some of us, God never makes it past the front step. You know, it's like that conversation you have with a JW on your front doorstep. It's not much more than that, Right? Glad you're here, God. Nice to visit. Oh, you want, no, you know what? No. We, we maybe, I, I don't know, I grew up, my, my mom was a fastidious cleaner. And uh, she would declare, actually, after she'd cleaned the house, our living room especially. Did any of you have a living room like this where it was declared off limits by your mom? Like, I mean, it's not exactly much of a living room, if you ask me. You're not allowed to live in that room, right? But... That was, that was our experience, was the, the living room was kind of off limits. Once it had been vacuumed, she did not want to see your footprints in the carpet. That was the, the kind of deal. And I wondered, have some of us done that with God? We've said in, in some area of our life, no, you can't go there. You can't go there, God. I, I, I don't want you to touch that part of my life. Uh, oftentimes, uh, typical things where, where we say this is in areas like our relationships, 
No, I'm going to marry that guy. It doesn't matter what God says. Uh, I'm going to marry that girl. That doesn't, I, don't, I'm, I don't... Our sexuality? We often say, God, I'll, I'll give you my whole life, but not my sexuality. I'll, I'll do, I, I want to do what I want to do in that area of my life. Uh, our money? Biggie, right? I mean, we're often... I, I think some people should have a, a picture on their, their gravestone of, a, of, of a, a hand on a wallet or a fistful of cash because that's how some of us have treated our, our finances. Anything but that room, God. I'll give you all my life, but not my finances. I want to remain in charge of that. I told some of you the story about my dramatic experience of the Holy Spirit, which happened to me two years after I became a believer. I was uh, on a journey of, of not being very satisfied with my spiritual life, uh, not feeling very hungry. Uh, to be honest, I felt kind of impotent, powerless. I saw all this great stuff happening in Scripture, and I just seemed like I was failing more, more than I was winning with God. I was hungry, though. And uh, I'd been going to college in England, and, and we had a winter break, and we went over to, I went over to Holland for a few weeks, and uh, I was hanging out with a friend, very, very Dutch area, you know, village of Katwijk on Zee. And while I was in that, that uh, home of his, I had nothing to do. My friend was out that night. I was by myself. And I had kind of a heart-to-heart with God. And uh, God kind of put his finger on some things in my life. Turns out the thing that I hadn't surrendered to him was my future. You know, it t- turns out I, I'd, I'd actually made some real conditions about my future with God. It's kind of like, God, I will do anything you want me to do except become a pastor or a missionary. I, 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 I really, I, and, I, and I began thinking, and I've, I've shared this many times, but I, I go, God, everything I've discovered of you as I've studied you more and gone deeper is that you are good, that you're really good, and that you really love me. And if you're really good, then I can trust you with my life and trust you with my future. And this is the the reasoning that went on, it felt like lies were getting dealt with. And, and, and I, I said to God, I prayed just this really simple prayer. I said, God, I will go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Nothing's off limits anymore. And uh, in that moment, I was filled with the Spirit. Uh, what that looked like for me was just a profound experience of the presence of God in my heart and life and joy and boldness. And uh, the idea of becoming a pastor now seemed like an adventure as opposed to the great fear. And here I am today, can't imagine doing anything else. I wonder if some of you are, are kind of afraid. You know, I, I wonder that. I know I can be scared of giving God control, and, and it hasn't all been uh, lightness and roses since that day. I, I find I still take back the reins of my, my life often, I still want to be in control in, in, in some key ways. I still have to learn how to trust. Um, you know, Paul, Paul talks about this in 1 Thessalonians. He talks about quenching the spirit. And, and he says, in, in contrast, cr- contrast to that, walk in step, keep in step with the spirit. So we have to, be seek, we have to seek, I think, to be filled again and again and again. I, 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 know, I, I don't know about you, but I can be scared of giving God control. And maybe some of you are in that place today. Uh, or, or what might the Holy Spirit do? Would it be something weird or wacky? I would encourage you, if you're in that place where you've got some fear around this area, I'd encourage you to dwell in one part of Scripture. Go to Romans 8 and live there for a while. 
I, I don't think you can spend much time in Romans 8 without going, I think God has good things in store. Listen to, listen to these verses, verse 5 and 6. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Did you catch that? The, the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Uh, and then listen to verses five, 15 and 16. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies to our spirit that we are God's children. We are no longer slaves to fear as we sing from time to time. But that's what a life in the Spirit can do in our lives. Life and peace and sonship and freedom from fear. Don't you want that? And isn't that, isn't that what your heart's been longing for? So attractive. Um, Back to my Holland experience here for a moment. I, I, it had a dramatic effect on me. It was like a second conversion. It was almost like becoming a Christian all over again. How will it be for you? I can't say. Because Scripture doesn't say. There's no formula in Acts. The wind blows how it will. At 17, I became a Christian. At 19, I was filled with the Spirit. At 24, I received the gift of tongues. And, and I've talked to so many people, and, and I've heard of so much variety in their journeys. How is it going to be for you? I don't know, but I'd sure like to find out. I'd sure like to hear your stories as you journey like this. Now, what about that? What about this gift of tongues? We can't just leave it hanging on that issue. Tongues, by the way, is, is basically a supernatural gift from God that enables us to, to somehow communicate or speak in another language. Sometimes it's a, an earthly language. Somebody will speak something that's actually spoken in some part of the world, or it could be a heavenly language. Um, its, it's purpose is really uh, unla- laid out in, in 1 Corinthians 14. You can go there and look, but it's, it's really a sign to unbelievers. It's also a, a means of prayer, uh, prayer language. That's my gift of tongues. It has been a method of me praying and being strengthened in my faith just through praying in tongues. Uh, and then the third thing is, is a prophetic word to the church. Often when a, a gift of uh, word of tongues is given and then there is some kind of interpretation, it's a word from God. But the gift of tongues is a, a real gift of the Spirit. There are many people I know and love who have this gift. But let me say, there are many people I love and know and deeply respect that don't have this gift. They have other gifts. And... and and if you seek that gift, that may be something that God gives you. But, but don't let, let uh, on one hand, don't let the weirdness around this keep you from what God might want to do in your life. On the other hand, don't let it become a stumbling block to you. God doesn't give you that gift. I, I found a prayer that's help, helpful to me. and It's something like this. God, whatever you think I need, would you give me that so I can do what you want me to do? I like this paraphrase of 2 Corinthians 9, 8. This is God speaking. He says, all the time, in everything, I'm always sending you everything you need so you can always do everything I ask of you. Talk about his all, everything, always promise. All the time, in everything, I'm always sending you everything you need so you can always do whatever I ask you to do. And you know, I have this uh, growing sense. It was confirmed our denomination had a, had, had a pastor's gathering in Chilliwack this last weekend, and the sense that 
that God has called Hillside Community Church to be a territory-expanding church. That we're meant to see God's kingdom continue to expand in our community and through the world, and God is going to do that in, the, in and through this church in some crazy, amazing ways. And I, and I see him wanting to gear us up for this, this awesome work. He says to us, you will be my witnesses, but before that he says, you will receive power. I like how someone summed up the book of Acts. When I read it, I thought of you. The flames lit on their little heads and bravely and dangerously went them onward. Amen and amen. You bow your heads with me and let's, uh, let's pray.